0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to say thank you to Miss Tracy there, a teacher who helps in our Milestone Tutor program, as well as to all the teachers and administrators. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Come on, don't delay. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet so we can pray with you and celebrate you as we start the first of the year. Come on now, let's celebrate them. Wow, there's a lot of you. (laughs) Remain standing. Our ushers have a card there that we're giving you. You'll get a little instruction at the end of the service. We have some efficient, organized, for all of you teachers, tables out there, ready, with a special gift just to say thank you for all that you do, and I would like to have our church family join together to pray over you for this school year so that God would be with you every step of the way. Come on, church family. Y'all got excited to do that? Let's join together. Let's join together. Father, we thank you, Lord, right now for each and every one of these teachers and administrators. And literally, we believe that we're sending them into the community with your presence with your favor, Lord, with with your passion for young people in the next generation. Lord, we thank you that you are a generational God and the future that you have planned, you deposit it in the next generation. And so you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And so we thank you for these that go and touch on a daily basis these next generation students. And I ask you, Lord, for those days when there's a lot on their plate and there's a lot to do and they need a little more coffee, Lord. They need a little more pep in their step. I pray that you would encourage them on those difficult days and they would always be mindful of the impact that they're making. Not that it's always seen immediately, but they're making a great impact. And so we surround them today as a church family and we thank you for what they do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let's give them another round of applause. We're so proud of you and thankful for you, and uh, we're excited about the kickoff to this new year. In fact, we every year do a backpack and school supply drive, and I always love to celebrate what you do because we ask you to reach out to our community. You're always over and above generous Uh, We were able to bless a 100 single moms and their children come and pick out a backpack and get supplies, thousands and thousands of dollars because you are a generous church. So we want to say thank you for that as well, and we're excited about the upcoming year. Um, And so school has started, and at my house, um, my kids get so much special attention right now that um, I'm feeling a little left out. My wife is organizing their supplies. I hope they know what they have. My mom was a great mom, but but it's like maybe it's a problem. I mean, my wife was decorating each of their folders, you know. Like my, my son, he literally is in trouble one day if he doesn't marry a good woman. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's just getting everything together and they have all these special treatments and, you know, it's like there's special little lunch things and, you know, we ate the school lunch. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We just prayed for pizza day, you know, and I was the big kid. You gonna eat that? Come on, somebody, let me, (laughs) let me just, you know. I mean, and I've already been in trouble at my kid's school and we haven't really gotten started. You know, it's like I'm already in trouble in the carpool line, are y'all with me? I mean, the teacher, I feel like what I was like when I was in school. I was talking on the phone, not supposed to in the carpool line. I'm on the phone. Teacher comes up, knocks on the window. I roll it down. What are you doing, Jeff? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to do what my wife said. I don't, you're in the wrong line. I'm like, well, there's five. I we just rode the Yellow Hound. Come on, somebody. We didn't have a special Uber parental pickup. But it's that time of year, so our kids are getting a lot of attention, and it's exciting, and we're excited about this new year, and our student ministries and kids' ministries. A lot's going to be happening here as we go into the fall, so you guys want to get your kids involved in that as well. Well, we're in this series, if you've had a chance to connect with us starting last week, where we've entitled this series DNA, and so I want to welcome those watching online and ask if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to the Old Testament, we're going to look at an interesting story in 1 Kings... Chapter 19, we're going to look at DNA number two this week. We're looking at the, the values, the, the deep things that I believe build a great life. DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid, and no, this is not science class, teachers, okay? We're not talking about just the genetic makeup that makes us who we are, though our DNA is very complex. It's very detailed, and you might be surprised by this, but 99.9% of this detailed set of codes, we all share the same, but there's a small percentage that makes us unique, that makes us different. very, Very interesting. In fact, we're more intrigued by it today than we've ever been ancestry.com. How many of you have seen this thing? Okay. Everybody's on there paying money. Now their sales are, I think, exceeding $850 million because people want to go put themselves in there and see and sometimes be surprised. Okay, look, I've got this in my background because we're intrigued. We want to know. We want to know who we are. We want to know what makes us the, the God characteristics that he put inside of us. And so that concept biologically has been taken at some level as a metaphor. And we're using it in this series because you need to know this about me. My passion. I love what I do. I love being a pastor. I love helping people. And one of my passions is just coaching people and helping people. I want to see you. That's why I'm doing this series reach the potential that God has for you. Because I believe it doesn't mean we don't have problems, doesn't mean we don't have setbacks, but I believe there's great things inside of you that God put in there. And so we use that metaphor of DNA. I believe that you can have the great potential that's there. You can realize it. I believe you can have a culture around your home I believe you can have a culture in the team maybe that you lead at work. I believe you can have a culture in your friendships. I believe you can have a culture in a church. And so I know we've had so many of you that are coming in. As you heard, 200 people that came to 101 and more coming. And so many of you are new. And we're so glad that you're here and you're a part of what's happening. And I wanted to do this series because I know a lot of you are asking the question, you know, there are a lot of things that make churches similar, But there are also distinctives. There are things that really motivate. And so I I thought it would be good to give you kind of a behind the scenes, tell you the inside story, tell you up front, let me tell you what I'm passionate about, what I get excited about, and help you take that into your real world because I believe it can produce some great things. And so if you want to build something great, I believe last week we start with, People matter to God and knowing the love of God, and this week is one that I'm very excited about. In fact, you may say that this could be a life message for me, this DNA statement. You could say it's a life message. You'll hear it if you come here and you don't like what I'm talking about, you're in deep trouble because you're going to hear this sprinkled into everything that I communicate about, and that's this DNA statement that I love, and that is... Your destiny is tied to your relationships. Obviously, as we learned last week, your relationship with God, that's the most important relationship you'll ever have. Notice I say relationship and not a religion. A relationship with a loving father who sent his son to die for us. But then your relationships with others. Notice I didn't say your destiny. Our leading thought is your destiny is tied to your opportunities. Your destiny is tied to your background. Your destiny is tied to your education. Your destiny is tied to your skills. That's our leading thought in today's culture, in today's world. Your destiny is tied to all of these things. We do it even with our children. Not that education's not important. Not that opportunities on select teams are not important if that's what they feel called to and it develops their character. But I believe if you look scripturally God's leading thought which in today's world is our last thought most of the time your destiny is tied to your relationships. Look at some of the research. I'm not talking about just some just random research. Look at the overwhelming research, even by secular people. I was in an airport this week and picked up Time magazine where the whole thing was not written from a biblical worldview, but it was talking about how to be happy, and a lot of it has to do with what I'm communicating from the scriptures today. Even people who do not know God are stumbling on the idea that acquisition of possessions, acquisition of opportunities does not produce true fulfillment alone. It's incomplete. Because God has hardwired us that our destiny is tied to our relationships. Some research I recently saw, which was an amalgamation of research where they put several studies, 148 together, and they looked at 300,000 people and they determined this, that in fact, loneliness and isolation is more unhealthy to you than even obesity, that that isolation and loneliness and being separate from life-giving relationships has a damaging effect on your health. One study said that 43% of people over the age of 45 are chronically lonely and isolated. So that brings me to one of our mission statements, or maybe we should replace our mission statement. If you come here, our mission statement, reaching people, building lives. Maybe we should change it based on that research—that it's better to eat a burger at Twisted Root than it is kale by yourself. Come on, somebody <laughs> over forty, forget that running club. Come on, y'all join a different church. Well, you can—if you run, you can eat a lot of those burgers. Come on, isn't it amazing? how important it is to God. So so what I'm looking at this week is we say our destiny is tied to our relationships. All of us need to do a little evaluation of our fulfillment level, our satisfaction level, because you you may be just marginally dissatisfied or if you've lived in long-term isolation, you may be moving toward a place of real unhealth, physically, emotionally, emotionally, You know, we have these lanes and buckets that we steward. I want us to look a little bit at that emotional, relational bucket this weekend. As I said, turn to 1 Kings 19. I could show it to you from so many passages in the Bible. You you need to know this if you haven't read it much. We serve a relational God. We serve a relational God. In fact, there's never been a time when he did not exist. Yet he existed, I know this is hard to understand, right when the early church began, there were several councils where they had to sort this out, and they just said, look, we've just got to know it by faith, and that is that we serve a God who is one, he is completely one, but three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and if you've ever thought about that, even within the Godhead, there's a picture of unified relationships. He he has lived that way for all eternity. And so then he creates us because he doesn't want us to be alone. And he brings that relationship into our world by way of him and then one another. And there's so many pictures I could take you to in the Bible. We could look at so many stories, Jonathan and David, and we could look. I'm reading in my own quiet time right now about Jacob and Laban and all the wives. And man, I'm reading in there and thinking, man, this is a relational mess. But nonetheless, God's a relational God, so he keeps working in those relational situations. And there's all these different pictures. And then you turn to the New Testament, and we have all kinds of stories about Jesus showing us what God's like, and he lived relationally. He lived with these disciples. He went to the marginalized. He went to the outcast. He disrupted the relational construct of his day. And showed people that they mattered to God. And so we see, I love the story of Paul and Timothy. I could easily preach your destiny is tied to your relationship through Paul and Timothy. Paul took him like his own son. Began to develop him. He pastored the largest church at that time. They say estimate of 50,000 people in Ephesus. And so you see these letters, these pastoral epistles encouraging this young guy. You see the impact of it. And I always have this leading thought when I read about these connections And you might think, well, would would they have done it without? Could Timothy have done it without Paul? Maybe because God is sovereign, but here's what we have to come to grips with. He didn't. He did not do it that way. So if we're going to tie into the DNA of the Bible, your destiny is tied to your relationships. Now, 1 Kings 19, I need to give you the overview. Let's get this little Bible story some of you know about Elijah and Elisha. What a great, powerful picture. Snapshot, Elijah performed a lot of awesome miracles, and Elisha performed double. He was the one who received the double portion. But let's dig into the story. Elijah's like a superhero prophet. I mean, he's got these miracles where the dead are coming back to life. He's stopping weather patterns. He's fed by ravens. And he has something on his resume that's very unique. He never died, he just went in a chariot to heaven. Come on, that, you, you're pretty powerful. He's really powerful. Yet, with all his accomplishments, he's recently, right here before chapter 19, had one of his big moments on his resume. He's defeated 850 prophets of Baal right there in a public setting, and so man, he has been elevated to a new place, but he's also, as comes with when you step out with God, he also has some critics and he has some challenges, so the king and his evil wife, they begin to plot against him, and when we get into 1 Kings 19, he's running for his life. Now I want you to really look in the story and remember, if accomplishments... If having quote-unquote successful type things like miracles and defeating 850 prophets in a public display is all there is to life, let's look at his relational life. Let's look at his emotional life. Let's look at his connection with God and then his relational life. It says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he was running for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness... He went out into that wilderness place, that dry place. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Do you know how many, quote unquote, successful people I have counseled who are at the pinnacle of everyone looking at them saying, I wish I had what they had? Because they're isolated, they have a longing inside of their soul he's isolated alone with all these victories saying, God, just kill me. He's afraid. He's being chased down. He has pressure on all sides. So what is God's answer? He's alone. He wants to quit. By the way, when you get in that place, that that is a greenhouse for insecurity when you're isolated. It's a greenhouse for fear. The enemy uses it. God comes to him, the word of the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. And here's the language, look at it, I'm the only one left. When you get isolated, you think you're the only one doing anything that's good. I'm the only one. I have to stand here by myself and do this. And he's not the only one. But he thinks he's the only one, and now they're trying to kill me too, but God is so gracious he keeps coming to him in his isolation. Notice the question he keeps asking him, what are you doing here by yourself? What are you doing here isolated? What are you doing? Keeps coming to him, and then the Lord said to him, he gives him his answer. Look at this, very practical. Verse 15, go back the way you came. Go back into that situation, go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and this is what I want you to underline, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from abel Mohoi, to succeed you as prophet. Go and anoint Elisha. So the answer, and by the way, when you start thinking about divine relationships and getting to your potential we a lot of times think it's the top-down relationship. It's like this top-down person has to do something. Notice this: the top person needed the relationship as much as the Elisha. The top person, as he is isolated, what does God tell him to do? Go find your successor. Start thinking about your legacy. Start thinking about what you're giving your life to. That's the answer to "I want to die." That's the answer to, I'm isolated. And now we turn the page to this connection point. He goes and finds Elisha. He throws his cloak on him, and Elisha responds. Very important that you see this. Elijah, for those of you that that are in a place where you've had some victories, you've had some success, but you feel dissatisfied, you need to find an Elisha. You need to find an Elisha to throw your cloak on and say, let me help you learn how to run a business. Let me help you learn how to balance your checkbook. Let me help you with some of the mistakes I made in my parenting. Let me help you miss some of the challenges I've had. Throw your cloak on the Elisha. But there's a lot of you out there going, man, I wish I could find an Elijah who would throw his cloak on me. I need that. Notice though the posture of Elisha. Elisha has a posture, and he says to him, "Okay, I want to go with you." And he asks him some questions. He's like, "Look, I got to tell my family by." And Elisha left him and went back. And look what Elisha does. He took his yoke of oxen. He slaughtered them. He burned his plowing equipment. This guy had built a little business. He, he had set up some things. He kind of had some safety. He had some security. In the Bible, when you see these divine relationships, it's a high level of revelation that cuts against the grain of the rugged individualism of our American culture. He burns the plows. He cooked the meat, gave it to the people, and they ate, and then he set out to follow Elisha, and he became his servant. There's a lot of people out there saying, I wish I had an Elijah, but here's what they many times want. They want to keep what they're doing and not burn the plows to join up with the Elijahs in their world. You know what Elijah, for those of you that are young people or in a place where you go, I need an Elijah, you know what the Elijah is saying? The Elijah is saying, are you willing to come and pursue what I have to give you? When I mentor young leaders, I always give them homework. And they say, I need an Elijah, I need some pastor to help me with my church, and I give them some homework And then when I meet with them the next time, if they haven't done the homework that I gave them last time, then I realize they haven't burned the plows and they don't really want to go where the Elijah can take them. It's not come and bless what I'm already doing it's come and follow in that relationship so you can receive what's available there. So there's two sides to the relationship, and it's very powerful. Now, every week we want to take a deeper look into it. Come on, you're like, man, that's a powerful story, Jeff. We could spend the whole time just talking about the Elijah-Elisha relationship. Elisha goes on. He does double the miracles. It's a very powerful transfer in relationship there. there. Very powerful. But now let's take a deeper look. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. Let's look at it at a little deeper level. Now, I know what some of you are saying too. Cuz you're like, "Pastor Jeff, I some of you know me and know that I'm this way, but a lot of you are new." He's like, "Okay, so you're 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 a preacher, you're an extroverted personality, you're a charismatic personality, you know, you and so you're dismissing what I'm saying as, man, that's like Elijah and Elisha, that's like superhero people or you're even looking at me. And I will tell you, I am a relational person by nature. Um, I get motivated by people, I know that's weird, but uh, for for pastors, because they didn't teach me that in seminary, in seminary they said, study your Bible and stay away from those sheep, they bite. (laughs) But I love people. My wife loves, she loves people too and has deep relationships, but she also recharges alone, she loves the beach. And I go to the beach, and I I want some feedback and encouragement here as, as a super husband, On our last trip, I sat on the beach from when the sun came up in a lounge chair from when it came up till till it went down. I did it the whole day. Some of y'all are like, that's not a big deal. I like to do it for like five. I don't. After a day, I'm looking for friends. I start looking around. Hey, what's up? Hey, where y'all from? You know? I met a guy on our last trip. I mean, he and I, he was in the little archery competition at the resort, and, and, I, and I loved to hunt, so I helped the brother out and trained him to win because they wouldn't let me play anymore because I kept winning it. And so I taught him how to do it. And I said, So, so, sir, where, where are you from? He said, Well, I'm from Fort Worth. I said, Cool, I'm from Fort Worth, too. I said, And he's kind of real reserved, you know. I said, Well, what do you do? He said, Well, I, I kind of own some restaurants, you know. I said, Well, that's awesome. I said, What kind of restaurants? He said, Well, you know, kind of some. Mexican restaurants I was like well awesome I love Mexican food I mean that's powerful you know what what you know well just a few family restaurants you know I said well what's your name he said well my name's Joe (laughs) Joe what does it have a T in the middle (laughs) hey you're my new best friend brother hey this hurt them through like cattle with cash only. Can I get a VIP touch on the enchiladas? Can y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm looking for friends. But know this. Did you know this? This is one of the things I've observed. Even people who are a little reserved and shy. Met a lady last night, widow. Her friends brought her here cuz she knew we had she heard we have a heart for widows and she said, "This is big for me." She's standing there talking to me with her friends. But see, her friend's broader. It's more than inviting. When you, This is relationship. They broader. And she's standing there with me. She goes, this was big for me to step out. This was big. But I found even people who are a little reserved have deeper feelings about what I'm talking about. That, that everybody, it doesn't matter if you're extroverted or introverted, you're hardwired for these relationships. So let's understand the distinctive. Have you evaluated? Are you evaluating your life? We evaluate our budget. We evaluate our money. We evaluate our goals. But but I would submit to you: are you evaluating your relational world? Are you evaluating the relationships God's trying to bring in your life? Are you evaluating the people you're doing life with? Are you evaluating that? Because, again, as I said, a a life message for me is you don't have to be that great if you have great relationships. You you just don't because there's so much supplied through that. And it's it's difficult, but, but it's what really matters to us. Everything in life boils down to that relationship. And so I would ask that you might think about this start looking at your decisions even through that grid a little bit and asking God some things about your relationships. I have a story that I want to I tell in detail. It's so fresh, but um, one that I, I asked, I, I called this, this lady in our church. Her name is Lisa. Her husband's name is Jim. Lisa's in a group with some professional business women that are in our church and talk about feeling just like people who begin to get promoted and they feeling isolated. These ladies who are high-level professionals feel more isolated. And what's happened is they formed a small group and they've begun to encourage one another. And, and they text each other and pray when they're going into big business meetings. And, it, and I've been kind of on the sidelines just celebrating what's happening with them. And it's amazing how all of them have found great promotion. And more than anything, they've, they've found... Something that is so rich when they have so much around them. They found such a a deep richness from just being there for one another. Lisa, though, it so struck me. Her husband comes in. He gets connected. He's a part of one of our men's groups. He's serving here. And they, they begin to have opportunities come her way. She works for one of the largest global companies that we have today and has had a very senior position The chairman of that company comes to her and says, we want you to take a CEO position in our our sister company, the parent company, very large. We're talking Fortune 500 CEO position. She's she's with her her friends there in our Milestone small group, and they're praying together about it. Her and her husband begin to pray. They've turned down other opportunities. I thought it was amazing how she and her husband walked in unity regarding that decision, even though she has so much Official position and title. Very powerful, very biblical. And and they walked together in prayer about it. And then she said something I don't know if I've ever heard someone who was offered a CEO position tell the chairman of a global company this. We're going to say no to the opportunity because we're planted. We're planted. Not just Milestone, but Milestone was part of our church family. We've moved our parents here. We're planted relationally. The chairman's like, where I come from, you just do what you're told. Are y'all with me? Shocked him. I'm protecting names and things and everything. I'm not in any way wanting to to say anything that that gets her in an uncomfortable place because it's so countercultural. So countercultural. I'm talking about having a distinctive in you so deep that you actually measure massive opportunities in light of relational joinings. She said, no. The chairman came back the next day and said, we're gonna build a facility, we're gonna get you the transportation, we're gonna get everything you need, you can still have the opportunity and you can stay planted. How many of you know we give up too quick sometimes on things that matter? We give up too quick. And I want to tell her full story, but I just encouraged her Thursday night. I celebrated with her as now a CEO position that is massive and very influential. And just the the way she processed it, her and her husband, I said, I'm so proud of you. And it's so contrary to current culture. That's the distinctive. Let's talk about how to apply it real quick together. You go, Jeff, how do I make it real in my life? Well, first of all, when you want to give up, God says, get connected. Proverbs 18, one says, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. So when you say, I'm discouraged, I'm in despair, look, we always wander alone. We wander out a day's journey in the wilderness alone. We always say, I want to die. I want to quit. You always, listen, you always quit alone. You never quit in groups. You never quit with people around you going, saying, hey, we got this. We got this. We're together in this. You always quit alone. You always settle alone. I believe that even the decision Lisa made was based on some DNA and some conviction she had, but also believe she, she received the encouragement to do what God was asking her to do because she had a group of ladies there who were encouraging her along to make that decision. You always quit alone. So isolation is the enemy strategy to keep you from what God has for you. God's answer always is, get connected. Number two, look for God's answers through relationships. It's the way he distributes many times. It's how he distributes. When you begin to discern, God, who are you placing me with? Who are you connecting me with? You do not know. You underestimate, hear me, what's on the backside side? Of those connections because God uses it as conduits thank God for his awesome power thank God from the times God has bailed me out and kept me from doing something crazy thank God for the whisper of God the word of God through his whisper to give us wisdom and direction but I'm going to tell you this I have avoided so many challenging scenarios because of the divine relationships around me and how he used them to speak a word in due season in my life, to encourage me, to give it. And that's how God works. So look many times for those relationships. I was watching the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame induction speeches the other day. I know some people like football. You know, If those of you just moved to Texas, you better grow to like it because it's big here. Come on now. But you got to keep coming to church this fall. Are you all with me? All right. But I was watching the induction speeches, and the coach in me, I get, I get emotional watching it, you know. And I'll listen to them up there, and they start talking about, you know, a single mom who took me to practice. Many of them, they didn't have the, the male influences in their lives. They said, I had a single mom. She took care of me. She took me to practice. She believed in me. She spoke truth to me. Many times there's a coach. I watched Kurt Warner's speech at the end where he gave all the glory to Jesus Christ. In the middle of his speech, Kurt, he starts talking about a little a coach that was his basketball coach when he was in junior high and the camera pans to an 85-year-old man with his hat on with a little grin on his face. Look, he'll never make a headline. He never stands on a podium and, ha- and holds up a Lombardi trophy. No one will ever know who he is. But Kurt Warner goes into the fact that that coach helped him with the pride in his life that could have stopped him from being a Hall of Famer. And so it is in life. I want you to understand this. Most, if not all of us listening to me this weekend will never be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But never forget this. If you have the divine relationships, pursue those. Fight for those. Honor when you don't know how. Learn how to serve. Learn how to give. Learn how to prioritize it. You can have a Hall of Fame life. You can have a life that's worthy of induction into the Hall of Fame if you know how to do your relational world. And so God says to us, that's one of the ways I'm going to get to you. I'm going to show you the things I have for you is through these relationships. Here's the last one in the application. Evaluate your spiritual maturity through the health of your relationships. I'm going to read that again so you don't miss it. We're we're getting to the end of the message for a second, all right? Stay with me. Keep your attention span. I just said in today's modern podcast content-driven world, evaluate your spiritual maturity through the health of your relationships. Yes, I said that. Because in today's world, it's measured different. Most people believe the most spiritually mature person is the one who knows the most facts about Jesus. Give me the YouTube video, and I'll do it myself. But if you study Scripture, Scripture puts the point on the people that are growing in Christ are those who know how to not just know things about Jesus, but let Jesus' heart and character so come inside of them that it affects their relational world. God brings us into relational situations to grow us into more of who he's called us to be. Anybody in here been married more than two weeks? Thank God for the marriage relationship. It completes us in in the spiritual sense because we become one flesh. The Bible talks about he who finds a wife finds a good thing and I found a good thing. Come on, somebody. She's awesome. But that little brown-eyed girl has changed me more than anything else on the planet are y'all with me it's the most sanctifying relationship on the planet that marriage relationship and some of you go well I'm not married so am I still getting sanctified yes you are single people I remember when I had roommates that'll sanctify you in college y'all know what I'm talking about that's why single people don't need to live by themselves you get weird Who's washing the dishes? Who? Nobody. Okay, good. We just took him to the car wash. I, that really happened. <laughs> if mean, you know, you got to prefer. You got to serve. I'm a humble person in my mind, but when I have to live in relationship, we'll find out. We'll find out. You have to forgive. You have to get over offenses. You have to grow in the character and nature of Christ. The sad thing about living isolated with just your information is you're getting more and more arrogant and don't even know it. You don't even know it. You're getting more and more prideful and you don't have anybody around your life. Let me. If you're an Elisha in here, you better have an Elijah in your life that go, don't be prideful, you ain't all that big stuff. Come on now, buddy. Do you have anybody in your life like that that can talk to you that way? Do you have Elisha, Elisha relationships? Do you have people around your world that can speak truth into your life? I want to tell you, if you don't, you're minimizing your spiritual maturity and reaching your potential in Christ. Okay? So as we look at this, we apply it. You go, Jeff, now how do we live it together? I always want to end with this. How do we live it together? You say, Milestone's all about this. How do we live it together? Let me give you a basic next step here at Milestone. So we, we, we continue to talk about taking next steps. And for some of you, this is going to just be so familiar. And for many of you that are new, this is how we do it. Get in the grow track. 101 is the first step. Why do we do that? It's not a program. It's to get you started in the engagement. It's to get you planted in spiritual family, to get you started. You get a, a table leader there that will help you. You get, some, you get to meet our pastoral team and you get started in your process. Get on the team and serve. By the way... Serving provides a great opportunity to build relationships. You go, Jeff, I'm isolated. Well, serving's a great opportunity to come out of isolation because you get a chance to give your life to somebody else. And then you're in the trenches with somebody, and while y'all are serving together, you find yourself building a relationship. The people here at Milestone that have the most vital relationships are the people that have gotten in the ditch of the problems and mess of humanity together because intimacy is a byproduct of shared purpose. When you're building together, then you start having this greater intimate connection. And here's the next one, Get Developed, our 301 class, where we simulate a small group experience, and you begin to to really begin to see some of the things that can grow you and begin to develop you. And again, these are not just classes. These are relational experiences. And then the final thing is a small group. Get in a small group. Get in a group. You go, man, Lisa, that's powerful. They're encouraging each other. Those are available for you. But you have to get this. This is not a program, and I could keep going. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'm doing these things. I could keep going. This is just introductory. But, but you, it's, it's a heart thing. It's a revelation thing. It's a revelation thing to say I'm going to get out of the crowd and thank God for all of the things that he calls us to put our hands to. He's calling us. He's giving us different gifts and different talents. But just hear me. The fulfillment you're looking for is on the backside of being vitally planted in a local church with real relationships where you can become who God's called you to be. I didn't say attending a church or watching a church. I said planted in a local church so you can grow into who all God's called you to be. We had a great staff meeting this week. We always kick the fall off. By having our whole, all, we have all the, the spouses, those that are married, we have what we call family staff day. We have it a couple of times a year. I love it because we all gather together and we celebrate and we laugh and we have a great time and then we talk about these things. Some of you, you know, you've been here for a while and you're like, man, every video announcement is get in the growth track and get in a small group, you know, and, and, so, and some of you are new and you're like, this seems like a big deal. We never get tired of helping people take steps here at Milestone. We never get tired of it. We're still as excited about it. We spend our time talking about it. How do we get c- people connected? How do we help people take a next step? And so that's what we talked about. And then in the middle of my announcements, our executive pastor came up and they gave me a book. And this book was, was honestly overwhelming. It was, it was letters that our team put together uh, from, from our, our staff and, and families and relationships and some of their children. And, and it was a book to Brandy and I of just, um, just just thanking us and just all these stories and our history together. A lot of our team members we've walked with for you know, almost 20 years now. And so it's so rich. We've, we've walked together, we've raised our kids together, we've, we've, we've celebrated, we've prayed, we've cried and uh and it had you know with our move in here it had pictures and and so that night my wife and I went home and and uh, after the kids were to bed we we were like no I'm going to read it you you know we were struggling over it come on but we were we were reading it and man just both of us just emotional and um and and it and it reminded me of fresh and anew your destiny is tied to your relationships the richest thing in my life is not the number of people behind that camera or even this new building. The richest thing in my life are the people that I get to do life with. That's the richest thing in my life. And you look at that and go, Well, I've, I've never had that. Look, when you get a letter from somebody or a note from somebody you care about, you know what you do? You keep it. Because it means so much. I got a couple letters from my kids this summer, it means so much. Because you you say, man, that's what life is really all about. Some of you are going, well, I don't don't have any letters. Can I challenge you with something? Have you written any? Have you said, hey, Elisha, come on. Have you you stepped out of your world? Have you written any? Because you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. It's available for you. So just get past your insecurities. Get past your hurt. Get past your fear. Grow a little bit and say, Man, I'm just gonna take a step with God. Let's bow our heads together. Most important relationship you'll ever have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants to have a relationship with you right where you are, wherever you're listening. All you have to say is, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead, and I want a relationship with you. I make you the Lord of my life. If you pray that prayer and mean it, He comes in, He saves you, He changes you. If you made that decision, you need to let us know so that someone can help you know how to grow in that. Some of you here, though, I'm not going to embarrass you, make you stand up and say, Pastor, i got some relational challenges. I feel maybe even a little isolated if you're honest enough to say that. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Would you pray for me, Pastor? i got some relational things. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Lots of hands around this room. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to go beyond my words. Let people leave today not condemned, but encouraged by your power. Go in and impart to them a a perspective. Let them forgive. Maybe they need to have some boundaries. Maybe they need to have a discussion. Maybe they need to, 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 to go and talk to someone. Maybe they need to just take a step. I just sense there's some that have been so hurt. Father, I pray your grace would be sufficient in that hurt. Help them, Lord, to walk into all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.